Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 77 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. Talking to today's guest, Maureen, is really sort of heartbreaking and heartwarming to me all at the same time. Her son also was named Andy. So this is a special bond that the two of us have for sure. But it makes me think of my own Andy a little more as well. Maureen suffered two tragic losses. She lost her granddaughter, Charlie, who was Andy's daughter first, and then just three months later, lost her son, Andy. So today we talk about her challenges with that and her big decision that she made to really try to move on with her life and to not live in sadness and the past but to make the most of what she could and to honor both Charlie and Andy by living her best life. She was certainly inspiring for me to listen to, and I know she will inspire you as well. Thank you so much, Maureen, for agreeing to come on the show today and talk about Charlie, your granddaughter, and Andy, your son. So I'm really looking forward to talking to you. Thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you for having me. So why don't you start out by just talking about your son, Andy, and who he was as a kid? I know there were struggles at times, for sure. Andy is our oldest son. We have three children, and Andy's he was our free spirit, for sure. He was carefree. He never met a stranger. He was a kid that had a lot of friends. You know, he was always going to have fun wherever he went. And he had a great sense of humor, great laugh. You know, I said at his funeral, I said that he was our child that we were always trying to rein in. And he was, he was going to take everybody along for the ride. We laughed a lot. I have a zillion stories you know, about Andy, he was grounded a lot in high school. And, you know, he and it never seemed to bother him. We used to be like, does he really like spending time with us is I mean, what kid wants to be grounded, but we later he taught himself how to play the guitar and piano while he was grounded. And we found out later that he was sneaking out after we'd go to bed. So he wasn't really grounded anyway. So he really is. No. So he really, as long as he was back before we got up, he was good. And, you know, we used to set the alarm, the chimes in our house to keep, to know when our kids were going out and, you know, and he would turn them off without us knowing. So he was, he was something Mm -hmm. for sure. And then he became a dad, didn't he? Was he young? Was he a young dad? He became a dad. He was 23. When he became a dad, 22, actually, he was 22. And 
I think it was a surprise for him. And when he told us, we kind of laughed because he didn't want to tell us or he told us, you know, he waited a while to tell us. And we, my husband and I laughed and said, geez, Louise, for all the things he's put us through, what in the world did he think we were going to do, you know? And we were really, he was thrilled to be a dad. And we got used to the idea of being Mm -hmm. grandparents. So he had a beautiful baby girl that was born in 2019. Mm -hmm. And she was truly the perfect baby. She was happy. And she was just, I have a beautiful picture of him just Mm -hmm. with her. You know, he just he was he was happy to be a dad. He was excited and you know she loved him they were precious together mm-hmm. and that was fun seeing him yeah. be a dad yeah that must have been a cool thing to be able to see that mm-hmm. so and that baby girl's name was charlie and that's part of our story today actually starts with charlie mm-hmm. and kind of what happened with charlie did you get to know and spend a lot of time with Charlie when she was a little or not so much? You know what? We got to spend, we got to spend some Mm -hmm. time with Charlie. You know, we had a crib here and she, she spent the night here a couple of times and every chance I got, whenever they asked if I would Mm -hmm. sit for them, I always said, yes, if I could do it, I did it. And she was truly she was joy. She was, I used to say she was heaven on earth. She, she just didn't have the baby, you know, where you would just want your mom or just want not go to people. She just, she really loved everyone. And uh, when she was seven months old, she did not wake up. So yeah, we got, we got that call on a Saturday morning that from the other grandparents to meet them at the hospital. And we did, and she did not make it. And it was, you know, they call it sudden unexplained Mm -hmm. infant death. Now that was hard. That was hard watching my child, very child. Yeah. It was hard. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that, about how that would be because that must have been devastating to watch him be in so much pain like that. You know, it was he and Charlie's mother, just seeing them have to go through that was was excruciating. It really was. I think it was surreal, really. Just, I was 53 when Andy mm-hmm. died. And he was 23 when Charlie died. And I thought, I don't know how to do this at 53. How in the world does he know how to do this? Does he have to do this at 23? Yeah. And it's hard too, I think, when, because I know he wasn't always with Charlie's mom. So they weren't able to mourn together as parents sometimes can. So that would be difficult too. They were very good together That's during good. that time. They were very supportive of, a, of each other during her, you know, when she died. And he was there. He was there that morning when oh, she died. That's good in some ways and, and bad in others, certainly, mm-hmm. to have to do that. So 
those months after Charlie's death, I'm sure, were incredibly difficult for Andy. He was a a kid that he tried to, you know, he was a worker. So he had a couple of jobs and he worked, you know, during the day and he waited tables at, at night. And he was so he he worked a lot and he sent me a song not long. He would send me songs occasionally when he couldn't find the words to say. And after Charlie died, it's okay. he sent me this country song, you know, and with Andy, sometimes I never knew what was going to come out of, you know, what he was going to send. Sometimes I would tell him to remember his audience if he was sending a joke or something you know but he sent me this Cody Jinx song that's that says called I think mama's song and it's talks about I'm all right I'm all right mama I'm doing okay you know your late night talks with God I'm gonna be okay that's so sweet so can you go on now and talk about what happened to Andy Yes. So Andy was just, Charlie died in November and we got through Christmas and, you know, the new year. And he was really figuring out um, what he wanted, getting his life together and, you know, what he wanted it to look like. And he was on it he was out with a girl that night and he was in a car accident and they were both killed in the car accident and it was you know that night actually I have I own a company and I had to do a presentation in front of one of the municipalities trying to get some some stuff approved in front of like a board and you know I've been doing what I do for 20 years and worked on design teams and And I had one of the people on that board talk to me terribly that night. And that had not happened to me in a public forum Mm -hmm. like that, really. And I called my husband on the way home and it was cold. It was cold night. It was in February. And I said, will you have the fire going and a glass of wine for me? And so he did. And I took a picture that night of the fire and the wine just sitting because I thought I I used to write in a gratitude Mm -hmm. journal and take a picture in the mornings. And so I thought this is what I want to remember about this night is coming home to a beautiful fire and my husband and, you know, us just talking Mm -hmm. about the day. You know, so I said, I'm going to remember this about the day and then planned to meet Andy for lunch the next day. He and I would have one on one lunch or breakfast, you know, just catch Mm -hmm. up, see how he is, which was really great. And he had just texted, you know, we had decided where we were going. And then just a few short hours later, he was killed in the Mm -hmm. car accident. How were you informed of that? How did you find out? We got the knock on the door at four o'clock in the morning. And yeah, and there were 
gosh, four or five people that came to tell us. And I don't really remember a whole lot. I remember just, you know, not realizing. I mean, you should realize, I guess, you know, that when there's that many people at your door. But anyway, I didn't realize. And, you know, then I didn't realize you know, that, that some, you know, the person in the car with him was also killed. And so I think that just, plus you're in a dead sleep, you know, we were, mm-hmm. you know, just woken up and then, you know, having to tell my dog, you know, I wanted to make sure that who our close family and Tommy was our middle child was away at school and, and he was several hours away. So, you know, we got someone to bring him home. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was hard. It's so hard. I remember that night, too, when my Andy died, about people saying, you know, you need to let people know, because this was a very public kind of accident. And it's going to be on the news. And you don't want... Yeah, you don't want your family and your friends to find out because they saw it on the news. You want them to find out through you. So right. that was very hard, but it, it was very good advice to get from our you know pastor to be able to start making those calls. But gosh, those were the hardest calls I've ever had to make in my life to have to say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. We did that. And it was so because I, you know, of course, told Olivia and Tommy first, I kind of did the wave out who in case I wanted to make sure that everybody Mm -hmm. knew from us. And I called. Olivia has, you know, just a little posse of friends. And I called their mothers and the school, two of them had already left for school. And I also had texted her mm-hmm. sponsor at school and the school sent those girls to our house. Oh. And so yeah, her little posse was just, yeah. Was really sweet. yeah. My daughter's best friend came to the hospital and was there. And I felt so bad in some mm-hmm. ways because I felt like this 16 year old girl should not have to witness this horror in the hospital that night, but to be able to see Catherine's arms around her friend was certainly a blessing for her. So, yeah, I don't think I've ever really thanked her parents for doing that and letting her come that night. I probably still should, actually. You know, that was, I mean, they, I think they laid in bed with her all day long. You know, I think they were just there. We just, it was amazing. You know, our friends were amazing, really. We're not from here, but we've been here a long time. And just our support just immediately was incredible. It's nice when people can kind of surround you like that. That's for sure. You spoke to me a little bit earlier about the fact that you even spoke a little at Andy's funeral. Is that right? Well, I didn't speak at Andy's funeral, but I wrote something that I, 
it was kind of funny. Tommy leaned over to me during the funeral and said, is anybody going to get up and talk about Andy? And I, we, Joe and I talked about that. And we really felt like it, it would be an awful lot to ask some his friends to do. So I wrote a letter mm-hmm. that our priest read for us. And it was really, it just really said what what we wanted people to know about Andy. You know, Andy, like I said, took everybody, you know, we spent a lot of time trying to rein him in as he was growing up. And there was, we had told some funny stories and, you know, there was laughter. You know, we said he, he really, in his 23 years, I said he really lived it all. He lived the happy, the sad, the tragic, the fun, the wild, the scary. He, he lived it all. And, you know, we were all along for the ride. I think that, you know, after he died, someone had posted a video of him. He worked for a short time on an asphalt crew. And he was out with his crew. It looks like a Saturday Night Live skit. And he is playing his guitar, singing. And there's this guy in the background that's just like doing this Mm -hmm. dance. And I'm thinking, how hilarious. They're just out on this construction crew. And here's these older guys just playing along. And just, he, he was like that. He had a lot of friends and everyone who talks about him now or if I run into someone they always said he was just always no judgment just encouraging loved everybody and mm-hmm. was just fun sometimes it wasn't always yeah. fun being his parent because yeah. it was hard well I was just going to say but you're right that he lived it all because he also had to live that yeah. devastating loss of Charlie and so he had that kind yes, of experience too so that's a lot that he experienced in 23 years. That's a lot. Well, and it was interesting. I went to where he worked. He, they had made him an assistant manager and he was selling furniture, actually. And he really was so interested in that. And he would call me and we would talk about sales and talk about how he could, you know, increase stuff. He was really thinking he was he was. I really wanted to see how his life unfolded. And his coworkers told me he had the 70 year old man who he worked with. And he just said, I loved your son, like my own son. And he said, he was so just, he wanted to take responsibility for every area of his life. And when he died, he was reading the book, the 12 rules for life. And Jordan Peterson, I think it is. But anyway, that so I read that book. I read his book that he had been reading, and I thought, who, who told him to read this book? Because I had never even heard of it, and it's such a great book for. I mean, it's really a thick book, but it was such a great book for taking responsibility of every area of your life. I just think that was, you know, what he wanted and to do. And it sounds like maybe Charlie had something to do with that too, being a dad. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. You know, I used to laugh and say when he was younger, I would pray that God would send this someone into his life that was good for him. And when, when he, he said that he was going to have a baby, I was like, well, that's not quite 
the prayer I had been praying, but sometimes God has mm-hmm. a different plan. Yeah, so uh, the girl that he was sent into his life ended up being his daughter a little bit as to who who kind of showed yeah. him yeah. to be a, a better man and a bit more grown up. <laughs> Not what you wanted. You wanted it to be your future yes. daughter-in-law, huh? <laughs> Right, 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 right. So could you talk about the time afterwards? Because I I do think it's, you have a unique situation in that Andy died and then this pandemic started really within just a very few short weeks after that. So what was that like and what has that been like? I felt a little bit like I was in a cocoon where I think that when you have great loss, for me personally, I really was very introspective, mm-hmm. you know, during that time. So it was, you know, I'm so incredibly grateful that we were able to have the funeral that we had because there were so many people that came in from out of town and just so many people, family, friends from college and high school and it was just mm-hmm. an enormous number of people that, that surrounded us. And for that, I am incredibly grateful. Did you find that healing and helpful? Oh, my gosh. Yes. I did, too. I did, too. Yes. Yes. And just the people like my friends. I had a group of my close friends that just came in and they did inventory every day of what was needed because I had, you know, my college friends were all here. You know, I go on a trip with my college friend, there's 10 of us and we go every year together and have for 30 years, you know, so they were all in, I have family from all over we're not from here. So they were all in and, you know, our college friends, high school. So we had so many out of town people. I had people picking people up from the airport for us. And, you know, my next door neighbor who hadn't lived there very long, she came over and said, use our house. We were going to be out of town. Just take our house. It was, people were just so incredibly generous to us. Anyway, they, they had food every night. Mm-hmm. So the food, it was like there, we were just surrounded by people every night. And, and you know what, after, after the funeral, it was one of the few times that just the four of us, Olivia, and my daughter, my son, Tommy, and my husband, the four of us were sitting at our kitchen island. And everyone else had left or gone to bed. And I said, do you realize how lucky we are? And it was so, I, I said, I hope that you have lifelong friends like we have had. And it was so, it was just one of those times where mm-hmm. they got it. They got to see just because they didn't always see our college friends because we would go and see them different, different times. So they've never seen us all together like that. And they all their friends were here and they were like, it was just really special. And they understood that, too. And I think that not everybody understands the weight of that your friends really do carry you Mm -hmm. when you can't. Yeah, I found that too. And I had people that just showed up and surprised me that I didn't even really know were coming. 
So I had I have family from Minnesota, from Minneapolis that came. And that that didn't surprise me, obviously. But one of my high school friends came too, and she didn't tell me she lives up in the Twin Cities. And what's interesting is her son has cystic fibrosis. And I think when you live with a child who you think from a very young age, they could die anytime. And our boys were about the same age. I think it just makes you think about things so much differently. Because yeah, she just, she just showed up. And I had no idea she was coming. She hadn't said a word to me. She was just there that night at the visitation. And she said, I was thinking, I was looking, she was looking at one of my cousins and she thought, wow, he looks a lot like Marcy's dad. I wonder if they are going back to see her for the funeral. And you know, this is flying from Minneapolis, Minnesota to Grand Rapids, Michigan. So why she would think that but you know, my my cousins do look a lot like my dad. So I could see that but it was, it was just such a blessing. I remember just crying when I saw her and then we touched base then that night and went and visited my my Minneapolis family in their hotel room. It was just beautiful the way people surrounded me from different areas. Oh, gosh. Yes. Yes, for sure. I just was truly amazed. And just people were so gracious to us. I mean, really just so thoughtful. And, you know, I think it was probably too that holy, how in the world could this happen twice to this family? You know, I think that that was just Mm -hmm. unthinkable. I do want to say one of the things, the beautiful things that has come out of this is, you know, I had not met the girl that was in the car Mm -hmm. with Andy when he died. It was a one car accident and it was a horrific Mm -hmm. accident on a windy road. We'll never know you know, there were ice patches that night. Mm -hmm. We'll never know what happened, but her, we went, one of the hardest things I have ever done is we went to this girl's Mm -hmm. funeral and they had asked, they had, they had invited us to come, you know, we would not have come through, through their mutual friends and to walk into that funeral knowing that our son was driving that car was really Mm -hmm. scary and just hard. But her mother has been a close, we've mourned together, we've laughed together, we've Mm -hmm. become close. And that is really something beautiful that has come out of this. And it is interesting how when you have that bond of that mutually shared experience, it can mean so much. And when you're going through the exact same thing, and that exact same had that exact same relationship. Wow, it can be really, really comforting. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it really has. It's been really. And she's a beautiful person. She really is. And we feel like we've gotten to know each other's Mm -hmm. kids through that. And I think that they were similar. They were both kind of free spirit, wild child, you know, hearing their stories and they were both musical, you know? So I think the thing that happens, I think is that you do, you feel like you got ripped off, you know, of, of seeing what was going to happen. 
And, you know, that's what I remember. I do remember warning that we were told. I remember just thinking it's over. It can't, this can't be over. This cannot right. be how it ends. And right. Cause you have such hopes and dreams for them. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. And you just think that as your kids, I, I, you know, I've loved my kids obviously at, at every age and stage, but I love my kids as they get older and seeing who, who they are and their friends and their interests. And yeah, I just, I get a kick out of it. And so that we'll miss that. And, you know, Tommy was really close. I, I did say at the funeral, Andy did get arrested one time and Tommy was his one call. <laughs> Tommy was the call he made. And we laughed about that. I mean, they were really close, very different. All my kids are different, but they were very close. What was the age gap between those two? They're, they're two years. Yeah, same as my boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two years apart. And, you know, we decided we just, his anniversary, of first anniversary of his death, which just happened on February mm-hmm. 21st. You know, we really thought about what we wanted to do that day. And we just, we just kept it, just the four of us. We went to his grave and we told stories and we decided what we wanted to carry with us this year through him um, because he, he was funny. He made, gosh, he, he could figure out anything. He, he made three beautiful barn doors in my house. He just was handy and creative. And so we, we all, picked something that we were going to incorporate more into our life Mm -hmm. this year. So what did you pick? Joe and I both said that we were going to try to learn to play the piano. We have this, I have this piano in my house and I got it just Uh because Andy played. So I miss, I miss hearing the music. I really do. I'm going to try. He could just, he could just listen to something and figure it out. My Andy was that same way. We talked about that a lot. So all, all of my kids took piano lessons. And they all did a fine job with piano lessons. But I remember saying to my husband one time, as they were all three practicing, and I said, you can tell which one's Andy. And he looked at me kind of strange. And I said, no, just listen. Listen to all of them. You can tell. Because all three of them practiced. And of course, Catherine was the oldest and was technically the best because she was the oldest. My son, Peter, is a little engineer and hit every note just perfectly. And without really making mistakes. But when Andy played, it just sounded like music because Andy felt it. Andy really felt the music. And so he might not have been technically in some of those things quite as good, but it just always sounded truly like music when he played. So we have our little grand piano in my front room that no one has touched since Andy died. Because we stopped piano lessons. Actually, shortly before he died, we were going to get somebody else to do the lessons because our teacher just stopped, happened to stop giving lessons. And so I just hadn't gotten around to getting it because it was summertime. And I thought, "Uh, I'll I'll get somebody towards fall. Because Andy loved music. He he played the French horn. He, of course, had a beautiful voice and he sang. And we all liked music. In fact, our last family picture we had taken, there's one, I think it's on my website, that we're at 
the piano. We're at the piano and, and Catherine's holding her violin and Andy's holding his French horn and Peter's holding his trumpet and we're just kind of celebrating music. And when Andy died, that aspect of our lives sort of did too. And Eric just said to me the other day, because we're talking about, we were in the process of starting to build a new house, actually, when Andy died. We had just cleared the lot. We had put in a driveway. We were about to start digging, but they couldn't do it quite yet. So we had about two weeks to wait to dig the basement. And then Andy was killed and we quit. And it's been sitting there, you know, two and a half years now, just nothing happening to it. The driveway starting to wash away a little bit. Absolutely nothing's happened. Because, I, I mean, we can't build that house, that house with our boys and their matching bedrooms. And, I mean, we can't. Mm-hmm. So it's always been, and I felt like I can't leave this house because I'm just leaving, leaving my Andy. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how I'll be. I don't know how, you know, we talk about that. And I don't know. I don't know what we'll do. Yeah, so we've been thinking about doing it again. And then again comes up that piano. What are we yeah. going to do with the piano? Yeah. Do we move the piano? Because I said, yeah. it makes no sense, honestly, to have the piano. No one is playing this piano and Eric's like well do you want to play the piano and I thought I don't think I can play the piano I think I will because I had taken some lessons for a while too even with the kids but emotionally I don't know if I can play the piano but it it's just so many complicating things you know yeah yeah well and I when Andy died I gave myself permission to do whatever I needed Mm -hmm. to do the whole to the year to get through just to just to do whatever you know that year is up and you know I, I I there's such a you know there's such a weird feeling of I, I want to thrive and get mm-hmm. back into life and do all those things so I'm trying I think that's something that we have to figure out how to carry it with us Mm -hmm. forward. And I don't know that we hear enough about how people do that. You know, I don't, I think it's a big mystery of how, you know, we were talking earlier about listening to, you know, you have some people that are still, you know, in this place where they're suffering so much. They just seem stuck. Yeah. Years and years later. And you know, that's not, I don't want that for my life. And I don't want that for my other kids. My husband, you know, we want to figure out how to carry him forward. One thing that my family did for me, I have two brothers and a sister and they all have families. And so when we started having a bunch of kids, then we started drawing Mm -hmm. names for Christmas, the kids names, so that we would not have to not buy for everyone, but everyone would buy for three kids. So what we did this year, I was dreading this past year and my sister-in-law called me and she said, we would like to start a new tradition and we would like to draw for Andy's name and whoever gets Andy, we would like to make a donation to whatever charity of your choice each year in his memory, which was so incredibly thoughtful. Oh, I know. 
and really beautiful. It was really beautiful. That is beautiful. That makes me cry for sure. Because you just want them remembered. You don't want people to be sad all the time, but you want them to be remembered and to matter. And one of my clients actually emailed me the other day. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Youth Villages. It's a basically an orphanage for mm-hmm. children. And they do amazing work. They really do. But And everybody needs their person. And I just can't imagine, you know, these kids don't have their person. But anyway they are big they're based here in memphis and they have a lot of locations around the country Mm -hmm. as well but they are putting a plaque on their property here that they just gave permission to do that in his memory which i just yeah is overwhelming i mean it's just incredible that you know someone thought of doing that for us was really amazing that is that is really really nice yeah. So we were talking earlier too, before we started recording about how you can get on, say, different Facebook sites and things like that. And some of oh, yeah. them I feel mm-hmm. like can be super encouraging and really helpful, but others are just not because it just feels like the people are just sort of stuck in their sadness. You know, I... I remember talking to my therapist very yeah. much about about this and about how, in a way, for a while, I was feeling this guilt about moving on, like somehow I should stay this mm-hmm. sad forever. And my grief would be what would hold me to Andy. And if I let go of the grief, mm-hmm. then somehow I would be like letting him down or something mm-hmm. like that. And I feel like there are other people that feel like that continuously. Because fortunately, with talking to the counselor, I think so too. that was helpful because she really helped me to learn that my grief is not what holds me to, my, to Andy. My love for Andy holds me to Andy. And my grief is because of my love for Andy. Right. But advancing through grief and not letting it be so sharp and so heavy forever was going to be important for me to live and love and honor Andy. What people, I think, there's so much mm-hmm. that you don't know about going until you go through. There's, there's just so much that people don't. And one time someone sent me a text that said, I didn't know. I didn't know. I just didn't know. And she had her mother died. And, you know, I mean, I think that you don't know until you know, you know, until you go through this. But one of the things that there's a million things that have surprised me. I didn't know it took so long to get a headstone, you know, like I'm still waiting. Like it's been like six months and hopefully next month it will come in. But we, you know, and you, you pick out your headstone and you think it's, it's kind of like the funeral, you know, you have one chance to get it right, to do, to really honor and do what you want to do. But we got uh, the headstone that we are having made has a hole in the middle of it. And because there, there will always be a hole in our family. 
anyway, but it's, it's really beautiful. And it says what it says around that circle is what survives is love. Right. And that's true. Right. Yeah. My grandmother's headstone is very funny because she wrote, she wanted to write on her headstone, great love lives on. That was what was supposed to be on there. And Mm -hmm. then it has underneath it, it has the parents of their three kids and so my dad and his two sisters. Mm-hmm. But what actually went on the headstone was great loves live on. So instead of love lives, it was loves live. <laughs> and she saw it before she died. So she had cancer and was dying for quite a long time. So she picked out the headstone. She had They had it out there, I think, even before either of them died, because my grandfather hadn't died. She, he didn't die for years later. But she got to see it. And people thought, like, why do you want to see it? You don't want to see it. But she got to see it, and then she saw that it was wrong, and so she got some of the money back on her own headstone because they had messed it up and it said the wrong thing. <laughs> I hope they don't mess it up. Well, I honestly, it, it doesn't up. really Jeez. matter too much. I mean, we were kind of like, Grandma, it's fine. Great loves live on or great love lives on. Really not a big difference, but in her mind, it was. It was, and I think she wanted she wanted yeah. to get her discount or money back. So anyway, it's always a funny thing to think about. And every time I go visit her headstone, yeah. I look at that and I have to give a little chuckle to my stubborn, tiny little grandma who was mad about the headstone being wrong. <laughs> you know, when we talked about where we were going to have, you know, when it was Olivia and Tommy and Joe and I, we, the four of us really made the decisions together about what we thought Andy would have, have liked because we wanted, he was, you know, he was a free spirit and he wasn't particularly really religious, you know, at this time of his life, you know, he went to Catholic school all through grade school and, and half of high school. So we had his funeral at the Catholic church and they have a mausoleum there. And we had talked about, having him in a mausoleum <laughs> and we laughed and said he couldn't wait to graduate there I mean wouldn't that be <laughs> that would awful? be kind of awful yeah <laughs> <laughs> so we did laugh about that like just thinking about where made sense for us and for us I wanted a place for my kids to go if they wanted to go or his friends to go if they wanted to go I thought that that was important just for just Mm -hmm. solace you know Mm -hmm. really and I think just figuring out what was going to be comforting for all of us yeah that's important and so hard to know especially when it's so unexpected like it is and you don't have any time to plan or think about it or that's the last thing you're thinking about doing ever is planning a funeral for your child and so having to plan a funeral and then figure out where to go. And I I remember we turned to our funeral director for a lot of things. We had no idea. He said, have you thought about a cemetery? Like, uh, no, we don't have any clue. And he said, I think this one would be really nice for you. And he set up a meeting for us to meet with a township and us shown the plot like a few hours later. And we were like, okay. I mean, it was, it was a beautiful, peaceful spot. I have since learned, interestingly, that he, when he goes to that cemetery to, for other families, he will stop at my Andy's grave and visit him, mm. which is beautiful to know mm. that 
our family touched him in some way. It's interesting. I have run into my kids at Andy's, you know, when I've stopped Uh by and one is coming or leaving, which I think that that it's just makes people feel close to them. Yeah. And it's private. Right. Just a little bit of time just for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's so much snow here in Michigan. It's like not a good place to go in the wintertime at all. But once spring comes, I have daffodils that will come up around it. So that will be nice to see. Oh, but they won't come up for quite a long time. Well, this was. Well, we did. We did laugh at when we were at talking about flowers and telling stories. It's last week. And. For me, it's not really important to have flowers on the grave and and to Joe it was and to Olivia it was. So they are going to be in charge of putting mm-hmm. the flowers out and doing that each season or whatever they want to do. And Tommy and I were like, it doesn't really, you know, that's not a big thing for us. So it's just interesting to see what is important to, you know, some family members and not the others. And I think we've really you know, we've really tried to respect each other's what what's important to them. That's an excellent point, really, to talk about really trying to know what's important to different people and what matters to different people. Because I would say that cemetery, having it look nice is very important to me, and not really to anyone else in my family, but I have a really hard time doing it myself. And the other mm-hmm. problem is, well, I didn't want to put that pressure on my right. Well, my my other big thing is, is I never want freshly cut flowers there, really, because I do not want to watch mm-hmm. anything else die there. OK, so yeah. seeing dead flowers is the last thing I ever want to see at Andy's grave. And so that's yeah. what makes me nervous even about putting plants and things like that is this pressure to get there to make sure to water them, yeah. because I if I kill it, I will feel terrible. Well, and I don't know how you are. I mean, the flowers that we had at the funeral were just unbelievable. Yes. I mean, there was just so much. I mean, it was unbelievable. Yes. And, you know, we didn't bury Andy the same day that his funeral was because they had not released his body, mm-hmm. you know, so that was a whole nother thing. But anyway, so the flowers all ended up coming back to my house. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, there were so many things that had wind chimes and oh, crosses and other parts to it. And so anyway, it, it, we had flowers, I think, in every room in our house. But anyway, they when they died, oh, my gosh, I had a friend that came down and helped me go through them. And it was just I, I'll never feel the same about flowers yeah. again because throwing out flowers. I mean, we had trash bag after mm-hmm. trash bag after trash bag trying to just save what you could and yeah I tried to give them out to a lot of places because it was that was hard for me I had a friend of mine who I met later who lost her son too and she said that all the flowers from her son's funeral they took in a back ravine behind their house and they threw them all because she said, I couldn't even handle the thought of watching something else die. 
in my house. So mm-hmm. she just threw them all. Well, I definitely don't feel the same way about flowers that I used to. I used to love flowers and, you know, I think we've had so many flowers with Charlie's funeral and yeah. with Andy's funeral that, you know, I just, I don't feel the same. And I, and we, I have a, a friend of, of ours owns a flower shop and she did the flowers for both the funerals. You know, when, I, when I asked her to do the spray, you know, that they put on the altar for Andy's, it was unbelievable. She did this, she did something that was just free spirited and just, it was just so incredible. Just so beautiful. Because she knew him. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. That is really a- nice. If you can get that person all touched too. Oh, it's just amazing. Oh, yes. So is there anything else you feel like you want to really touch on today and talk about today? You know, I think that having a podcast like this, you know, I I think that grief, especially when it is out of order and something Mm. that's so unexpected, I think it's so nice to hear other people's stories just to give hope. You know, I know that one of the things that I'm interested in going forward, you know, is I've really thought about how we will, I will continue to honor Andy and, and help people through this. And I think it is, you and I talked about it a little bit, but is that there is that feeling of guilt where you're kind of torn between two Mm -hmm. worlds of, the life that you, you wish you had, but it's gone and um, making the most out of the life that you have left. And I think there's a straddling of those two worlds, you know, and I wish that people would talk about that more that making that decision, because you really almost have to make the decision to that you're going to I can't worry about, I feel like I can't worry about the life that I was going to have. And I know he's good. He's in a good place. He's good. So really I'm trying to figure out how to be at peace knowing that he he's great. I'll see him again. So I need to, I want to be an example to my children of really having great laughs and great joy and great happiness and celebrating them, you know, Olivia and Tommy and their families that are to Mm -hmm. come and all of the wonderful things. And I don't, I just don't want them to feel guilt Mm -hmm. that I don't want. And I don't want them also to feel like I have more love for Andy than for them because it's, I mean, it's been so shattering and, you know, they've seen, you know, just how devastating it is to lose one of your family members. I remember Eric had a nurse tell him in the months after Andy died, she had lost her sister when she was young. And she said, one piece of advice I have for you is to always make sure your other children feel like they're enough. Yes. 
And that is so key. Like, and I see that. I mean, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Because you can, you focus a lot on who's not there. And it can cause you to maybe, or those kids to feel like, yeah, they she just cared more about Andy. It's so nice on some ways to be talking to another mom with an Andy because I could just use Andy yeah. and it's perfect example of talking about yeah. both of them. So anyway, it's just, yeah. you know, they are, it, obviously our loss would be the same if we would have lost either of our other two children. You know, it would be exactly sure. the same. For and sure. you would be, I would be focusing on Peter and you would be focusing on Tommy or Olivia or Catherine. I mean, that is what we would be doing. Uh, but it's hard to see it when you're when you're living it. So just to make them know they're enough. Mm-hmm. I think that it was really, you know, because we really tried to think about day that he died you, this year. Mm-hmm. So the anniversary. And I think that really thinking about taking something forward and we can do that every year. Mm hmm. You know, that that is because he had such a quick wit and sense of humor and, you know, the twinkle in it. He had eyes that were as blue as this guy. I mean, just beautiful blue eyes and just a laugh, a silly. I used to love hearing his laughter. Mm -hmm. That's one of the best sounds to me in the world. It's listening to my children laugh. And, you know, I think if we can continue to carry those things forward, then it makes it less tragic or feeling guilty or, you know, I do believe that his time here was done. You know, Charlie's time here was done. They came here and did what they were supposed to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it sure, it sure tra- shakes your, I don't know if it shakes your faith. It really, maybe, maybe it, uncovers what your faith really is, you know, because I think that we all, you know, you really have to rely on your faith to get through this. I think for sure, you're, you're 100% right. It and it does, I always say it rocked my faith, it changed it a lot. Because I certainly felt a a good amount of anger uh, when Andy was killed. And I remember talking to my pastor about that and him being like, yeah, God can totally take that. You just do that. Oh, yeah. And it yeah. was much healthier. I think he's got a sense of Yeah, humor and it's too. much healthier yeah. for me to have some anger towards God. And I always felt like it was a good thing because if I was ticked off and angry with God, that still meant I was in relationship with God and that my faith was okay. Because I thought the day I stopped caring at all, the day I lose faith in God, I won't be angry with him anymore because then I will just be like just this dead feeling. And that I didn't want. I, I feel like that I have really I've come to this piece that like God wants you to be who you are, whether it's angry, whether it's funny, whether it's sad, whether it's, you know, just he really does, I think, want us to be our authentic mm-hmm. selves. And I think that he made all of us with all those emotions. And think I think he expects, yeah. you know, we're he's not surprised. No, no. You know? And it's funny, too. I like what you said about how you think about who you were going to be. And that's who we thought we were going to be. Like, we thought our lives yeah. were going to go this certain way, right? And that we would have our three kids and they would all grow up in this certain way. And this is the way we thought it would be. But God actually knew that that wasn't the way it was going to be ever. So for me to focus on what 
it should be like, which is what I think some parents do is they really focus on this is what should be happening. This is what should be happening. Their life that how they thought it was going to be instead of being like, you know what, that isn't the life it's going to be. I have to live this life and what this is going to be and make this life the best life that I can. Because God always knew that this was the path I was going to be on. That other path was never going to be my path, even though I thought it was. Well, and I think, I really do think too that, that, you know, people say, and you've talked about it on here where people say certain things and, and when it really happens to you, you take it, you take Mm it. We've all thought about karma. We've all thought about everything happens for a reason. We've all thought about all those things that, you know, this is teaching us a lesson or, you know, whatever it is. It's like, I didn't want any lessons. Right, right. You know what? I'm kind (laughs) of done with lessons. Right. But I, you know, I think that this is our path. And I think that we thought that this just happened to someone else. Like we aren't those people. And and Olivia said that she said, I just don't want to be that girl in high school. I don't want to be that girl Mm -hmm. that everybody feels sorry for. And I think that it could happen to any of us and we could all be those people at any time. Yeah. Because I do think people are like, what? What do you do to deserve? I mean, we didn't do anything to have, you know, stuff just happens. Yeah. I do think it's, you know, I've appreciated the people who I have been able to look to that have been able to carry it. Yes. And that's, you know, hopefully I can, hopefully I can be that for someone. Mm -hmm. You know, I certainly want to be that for my children, for sure. Yes. Well, Thank you so much again for coming on. It has been a real joy. Thank and you. I think you are carrying it amazingly well, even already, and are being living an awesome example for all of us. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.